You ever felt that way? You look at the things that are going on in our world, and you wonder why God would even allow that. Even for those of us who are convinced followers of Christ, there are moments where the bottom of our own life falls out or the bottom of something in our world falls out and there is a moment of pause where we go, I want to believe, I want to trust, I want to walk on the water and the deep waters and have that grace and have that understanding, but it's tough, it's hard, what do, what do I do with that? And then there's some of you that uh, are trying to figure out whether you're convinced uh, there's a God out there that loves you, possibility of a relationship with him. And you hear some of these disasters that take place, man-created disasters, natural disasters, and it helps you be convinced that you're unconvinced. Well, this morning as we talk about this, I'm not going to have patent, emotionally good-feeling answers necessarily. But I do think as we walk through this, you're going to see the direction you can lean in. So at least at the bare minimum, there can be a peace in those situations. And that might sound to you just playing like log logistics with words and mumbo jumbo and pie in the sky kind of a thing. But uh, there's a lot of people that would prove that out when the bottom of their personal life dropped out or the craziness in the world they had a peace and a strength, and it wasn't manufactured in their positive thinking. It was the presence of God that uh, carried them through. So today's going to be a difficult service. I already mentioned that as we walk through these ideas and these concepts. And uh, so let's just start uh, unpacking it. Uh, the first time I really became aware of some of the tragedies, even like in Buffalo, was back in 1991. You may remember this. Yes, I Some of us can't believe that was uh, 23 years ago. I was taking a graduate class down in Florida, and uh, it was after lunchtime. Well, all of a sudden, there was a couple TVs around, you know, in the in the hangout rooms and such. And all of a sudden, up came this news break, and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, we realized our our professor again. We're in Florida. Taking graduate class, week long class, and uh, our professor all of a sudden kind of disappears a little bit and comes back. And uh, he was from Colorado. He was from that area. And one of his grandsons was actually in this school. And so we were not only seeing this from a distance, but we're also seeing this up close and personal as our professor dealt with this. And really, uh, the subject matter of the course stopped defining the class, and it was all about this. And uh, he was in dialogue. Uh, he belonged to a church of 10,000 people, and it was just rocking their world. And he was in correspondence, a conversation with the pastors back there and all of that. And, and again, it was one of these things where, yeah, it was far away, but it wasn't far away because here is this grandfather with his heart. I, there was almost a time where he was going to get on a plane early and just fly out there because he just needed to be there and uh, be with what was going on. 
Then uh, all of us remember this on February 24th of this year. It was unprovoked, but this is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine. The sun came up this morning, a missile striking an industrial park in western Ukraine. And there are civilian casualties. Local officials say this apartment building was struck in eastern Ukraine. Heartbreaking images of people, bloodied, staggering out of their homes. And this is what remains of another family's apartment, a baby stroller among the debris. You watch those kinds of things and just say, how could a loving God allow anything like that to happen? What do we do with that? From our perspective, it seems like one man's ambition is causing a whole country of 44 million people to be turned upside down. And not just turned upside down economically, structurally, being knocked back to where there's no infrastructure, but uh, loss of life. And his own countrymen, uh, his own military are losing their lives in unheard of numbers, unexpected numbers. So what do we, what do, we do with something like that? And then there's just uh, Mother Nature. places like this I'm so happy I live upstate New York I just can't imagine that kind of thing being a the tornado has been filmed tearing through part of the US state of Kansas with pictures showing cars crumpled into buildings and homes without roofs in the city of Wichita the mayor said 50 to 100 structures had been damaged especially in the suburb of Andover and you just see that constantly, constantly, constantly. Because it seems like you would think that uh, these storms would run out of homes to destroy. I mean, you know, just week after week after week. And, uh, and sometimes it doesn't even meet, make it to the news because there's so many other things uh, to be covering. And then just even this week, uh, headline news, NBC, this is the way it starts. Tonight, the deepening crisis for American families, the national shortage of baby formula growing even worse. The amount of baby formula sold out across the country, rising to 43%. President Biden under pressure to act, meeting today with top manufacturers and retailers. Will he invoke the Defense Production Act to boost the supply? Also tonight, the explosive wildfire destroying 20 homes in Southern California. Hundreds of homes evacuated. The U.S. marking that grim milestone, one million COVID deaths. President Biden ordering flags to half-staff amid fears of a new wave. And the stunning sight, the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. The first image of it ever captured. I mean, can it get any worse? There's a black hole out there. It's going to get us. Wow. So what do you do with all that? This is the world we live in. And I, I will tell you often, some of us uh, want to not watch the news ever, but I think it's important as a Christ follower to know what is going on in our world. Even if you sign up to a newsletter and get the bullets, I sign up to something and I get the, the, the 10 big things, and they do a pretty good job about being uh, balanced in, in all of that. But uh, this is our world. And so tomorrow when you get to work or wherever you get to where you go and you're mixing it up with the people in your lives that might be unconvinced, skeptics when it comes to faith, and they say, yeah, you follow a God, uh, how, do you, how do you reconcile that? What do you do with that? 
Do you have an answer that has any, any, any traction? Uh, or are you just to confirm their thoughts that uh, you and I who live, uh, try to live people of faith, just kind of live in a fairy tale world? You know, I want to believe, but there is so much suffering in the world. I'm not going to even try to pronounce this guy's name, but there was a Greek philosopher who lived about 300 years before Christ, and he had some thoughts. He says this, if God is not able to prevent evil, then he's not all-powerful. And then he continued on to say, if God is not willing to prevent evil, then he's not at all good. Lastly, if God is both willing and able to prevent evil, then why does evil exist? What's the answer to that? What do you do with that? That seems pretty reasonable. It doesn't seem to be outrageous, outside the bounds of reality. How, how, do, you, how do you deal with that? And again, we don't want to oversimplify. We want to have answers. I, I want to have answers that have a little traction, not in a already convinced Christ follower. I want to have answers that uh, could open the door outside of Christ followers' world. Uh, sometimes you and I as Christians have nice little pat answers that sound good to us talking with another Christian, but they would hold no water outside of our world. So we, we need to figure out, can we have something that can have a little bit more traction when we're speaking to people in our lives? You know, we talk about God being good all the time, or God is good, and then we say he's good all the time, you know, what do we do with that? And then some of us, you know, are experiencing personally on a personal level, uh, we're experiencing a lost job, uh, you know, Finances are getting tighter as things get more expensive. Uh, maybe our parents have divorced. Uh, maybe a spouse has left. Maybe a loved one has passed away. Uh, maybe we deal with just bad migraine headaches and we can just never seem to get past that. Uh, maybe it's uh, depression. Uh, maybe it's temptation. It's just all these forces coming at us. You know, why does God let that really happen? If he loves us, if he cares for us, if he's all-powerful. Uh, again, aren't you happy you came to Seneca Community Church today for an uplifting, joyful message? But this is the world we live in. So our faith needs to be a faith that actually engages and can be integrated into the real world. And I think that's definitely possible. So as we think about why this happens and what uh, God is doing and does God have a plan, uh, part of his plan is he gives us free will. And that free will from day one caused us to have major problems. We talked about that earlier on, that when God set everything in motion, Adam and Eve, and there was only one rule. God's not about having all these rules. One rule. And we couldn't keep that one rule. And that ushered into a broken world. So then God set things in motion not to write us off, not to forget about us, to say, you know, I don't need you and you're just a mess. He sets things into motion to show his love to us and let our self-will, our free will run its course. You know, there's even this concept where sin entering into the world has broken nature. And uh, that's for another conversation, but we definitely can see it 
in our own human condition. So because of God's love demanded us to have free will, which means free will means you can do something blessing, bless someone, be kind and generous, or you can be downright nasty, mean, hateful, and evil. You can't have one without the other. There really is this idea of cause and effect when it comes to our lives as we're walking through, we're looking for all these things. And so what are some of the possibilities of these tragedies, these things that uh, happen in our life? Uh, Proverbs, one little answer here is sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. And so on a personal level, I know for me, it gets to be a point where when can't I tolerate this action in my life? The pain is worse than making a change. Sometimes that's motivated me to, to lose weight. The pain of being a little bit too heavy gets me to say that pain isn't worth it. It's worth the pain of, of not eating a, a bowl of ice cream in the evening and eating a tangerine instead. As you can see, the pain isn't that bad right now. But uh, sometimes a painful experience makes us change our ways. It makes us change our ways relationally. And uh, it can bring those things in. So in a sense, sometimes the, the difficulties that happen in our life allow us to make a change. Then there's also, you know, and I, I don't really want to blast society and all this kind of a thing. I think there's plenty of improvement for those that claim to be followers of Christ. But we see this all over our society, especially now we're really feeling it and more aware of it. But you're doomed. You call evil good and call uh, good, evil, you turn darkness into light and light into darkness. You make what is bittersweet and, you, and what is sweet you make bitter. And this is Isaiah speaking to the nation of uh, Israel and uh, he's talking to the Jewish people and they've been given this promised land. God provided for them, they have it and they start to go off the rails and because they go off the rails, they're whole nation goes off the rails and eventually those of you who are familiar with Daniel it all gets wrapped up when Nebuchadnezzar comes in and and just uh, blasts through Jerusalem and takes Daniel friends and lots into captivity and lots are just mercifully uh, just uh, wiped out and uh, God was not gonna you know you can't have it both ways and he wanted them to not go in that direction. And if you look in your Older Testament, you'll see that there was plenty of warning, plenty of advance notice. This wasn't, wasn't necessarily a surprise to them. So as we think about, you know, just again, all these kinds of things that happened, uh, that often they're sudden and severe. And one of uh, our most notable Old Testament individuals that saw sudden and severe would be Job. And uh, we see Job's life just get blown apart. Uh, we see Job's life get a blown apart financially. All his, uh, you know, his uh, animals, his livestock, gone. And then we see it get into his family. And uh, we read, while he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, your children were having a party at the home of the oldest brother. When a tornado swept in off the desert and struck the house, it collapsed on the young people and they died. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened and if you know the backstory going on uh, Job's life was picture perfect and the accuser Satan comes to God and says you know Job loves you you're wonderful 
or he's wonderful, but you start uh, turning up the heat on his life, and he's going to, you know, just not want anything to do with you. And we find that Job isn't that kind of man. He, his faith goes beyond his circumstances. He loses everything, loses his family, and uh, just it just all falls apart. Job got to his feet, ripped his robes, shaved his head, and then fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will return to the womb of the earth. God gives, God takes, God's name be ever blessed. Not once through all this did Job sin. Not once did he blame God. That's amazing. It's ama- you know, I can tell you that. I can tell you that's the kind of behavior you ought to have because your relationship with Christ is beyond your circumstances. When Job says it, he's got unbelievable credibility. That, 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 is, that is huge. He can say it from experience of what he's gone through. So when you and I find ourselves in these places, uh, what, what ought we do? When tragedy hits, there's a couple things we can remember. These things aren't going to be like magic little things to remember, and all of a sudden we go skipping away like Mary Poppins or something like that. Uh, but they can start to have some uh, effect on our heart when we're seeing tragedy hit worldwide and we see tragedy hit in our lives. And everybody defines the level of the intensity of the tragedy in our personal lives a little differently. So don't be comparing somebody else and go, oh, they don't have it that bad. I do. When you're feeling it, you're feeling it. And that, that, is, your, that is your reality. It uh, goes on with Job. Uh, when tragedy hits, Job has a not very supportive wife at this moment. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your faith? Why don't you just curse God and die? Job answered, you sound like one of those fools on the street corner. How can we accept all the good things that God gave us and not accept the problems? So even after all that happened, this is when his physical health is is just taken away from him, happened to Job. He did not sin. He did not accuse God of doing anything wrong. And the one warning I have you about Job, the one one part I, I, I have to warn myself with his story is this. Some of you know the whole story of Job. Know that at the end, he gets everything back and more. And that's wonderful. That's great for Job. Old Testament, a lot of times when you and I live a certain way, blessing comes in. New Testament, not so much. Take a look at Hebrews 11. Uh, they sometimes call it the, the hall of faith. The faith of the hall of faith, and you have all these individuals that went through struggle after struggle after struggle. As it starts to wind down, you hear about Christians that sawed, were sawn in two or faced the lions. Those Christians didn't come back. They didn't come back with double everything. They lost everything. So, so don't look at a story of Job and say, wow, whatever heaviness I'm going through, uh, God's promising me to restore everything and double everything. That's, that's not what's going on there. So just a little caution when you meet Job. I, I've met individuals that have done the right thing and lost everything. I've met folks that have more faith and they're a little pinky than I do, and yet their health falls apart. And it never gets better, which ends up taking their life. So j- just remember that. This is, this, is, this is tragedy for the real world. Uh, there are Christ followers in Ukraine 
that are, that are meeting in subway conditions. They're worried about food. They're worried about water, all of those kinds of things. And some of them aren't going to get food and water. And, and that, that's, that's what's going to happen. So, so, so what do we do with this? How, how do we, how do we, what do we remember when we're going through uh, tragedy? This may not sound great, but the first thing we need to realize is that God has a purpose. God can even take the negative things and work them into something positive, long-term, eternity with, in, with eternity in mind. Not just this chapter of life, the next chapter of life. This isn't all it is. This is just a little bit, and then eternity is immense. It's forever, obviously. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Don't think that. I mean, we want to go there, don't we? Uh, I can't stand when I have to be in a situation where I'm trying to encourage somebody and it's not turning around and I feel like, oh man, if I, if I present God that he's going to deliver this person, make everything right, when am I going to have to apologize for the fact that God didn't do that? Sitting next to a hospital bed. Someone's in their last hours. Just their last hours. So how do I go through that? God has a, has a purpose, has a plan. Uh, what does God do in those, those moments? You read on in Peter. There is a wonderful joy ahead, and even though you must endure many trials for a little while, compared to eternity, these trials will show your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Now, I wouldn't pull out that verse to a friend of yours that's going through a major trial the first time you're walking and connecting with them. Maybe sometime you can pull that verse out, that concept out. And sometimes you just need to come alongside that person. But that, that verse gives us hope. That verse gives us hope that, that, that this, there is a purpose behind this. It's a purifying purpose. And when our life with Christ walks into eternity with him, we'll be at a far better place within our faith. It doesn't mean that these earn our faith, earn our way to heaven. But it means that there's some kind of reward for being faithful in this chapter of life. Heard me talk about, don't really know what that looks like. It doesn't mean when you get to heaven, you get a better house, better car. And, oh, yeah, that guy wasn't very faithful. He's driving one of those Yugos. Remember those? And you're driving the, you know, the European car or whatever. That's, that's not what we're talking about. But there is this concept. God doesn't explain what that all looks like. But there's a concept there. We read on. So when your faith remains strong through many trials... It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Our faithfulness, there'll be some kind of uh, revelation, and it's not like you'll have a bigger chest than everybody else. See, I'm better than you. No, it's not going to be like that. But there's some idea here is that you on that day, if you remain faithful, no matter what trial you're going through, you're going to find that it is worth it. And these are Peter's words. Peter died for his faith. So these just weren't words for Peter. 
Peter died for his faith. When the moment came for Peter to either say, ah, you know, and he had done it once, twice, a couple times before, right? He had denied, you know, he, he could have gone back to the default. When he had that opportunity, and, you know, again, your actions don't earn your earn grace. God gives that to you freely. So he could have in the moment, you know, they're ready to crucify him. All right, oh, no, 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 and kind of got off the side and said, yeah, I fooled you. I really didn't believe that, but I just didn't want to die. He doesn't do that. He dies here, and he gives his life. So, again, these words aren't empty words. Uh, these words that Peter writes, he then does live out. You need to realize that God doesn't always cause the pain. We live in a broken world, but God can always use it. Don't waste the pain in your life. Don't waste the trials of your life. Open the door and let God use it. So God is with us. God understands. God is there and God has a purpose. God is also present. Talked a little bit about this last week and how that feels. You can go back and, and talk about that or look at that. But God is present. For Job, finally God answers Job from the eye of the violent storm. That's where God's voice is. Also, I don't think I mentioned earlier that uh, God's, uh, Job's friends were not helpful. But you know what? kills me when I read what his friends say to Job as I could hear me saying those things to a friend like Job in my life. Well, the bottom of your life is falling out because you must have some kind of sin in your life. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? Why would God allow these things to happen? Why would God seemingly bring these things into your life? Those are his friends. And that's what they say. So when I read the story of Job, I don't point my fingers at his friends and say, oh, man, i got to be careful that that is not me. Yes, sometimes our behavior, our disobedience, our sin, our selfishness get us into trouble. Sometimes the things that have happened are because of what we've done. There's patterns of life. But don't just assume that. Don't assume that. Job, that was as far from him as possible. So God is present. God speaks in the storm. And I know I've heard some really riveting stories about life and faith. And it blows my mind when, and, I, and I'm not going to say this person, but it blows my mind when they're in the middle of the storm and they hear God's voice. It sounds like they didn't like the storm, but the storm was worth it to hear God's voice. We sang that song, Bring Me Deeper. In my faith, right? You sang it. That's allow heaviness to come into my life so I have to actually live this faith out in less than ideal circumstances, in less than ideal situations. Love this verse. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I read the verse saves, I go, wow, that means saves me, delivers me from the problem. I think it's saves me from a crushed spirit. I never want to become that grumpy old man. Never want to become that grumpy old man. Sometimes we meet those guys, meet those ladies. There's a chip on their shoulder. They know Jesus, but they're uh, just uh, grumpy. They were crushed in their spirit, and they never recovered from that. It became the defining attribute of 
their life. They remember um, Dennis the Menace, some of us do. Mr. Wilson, that was a grumpy man. Grumpy man, crushed in spirit. Don't let that define you. Don't let that become who you are. Stay beyond that. Paul writes, three times I pleaded that the Lord to relieve me of this. He had a thorn in the flesh, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I don't long for these moments, but when these moments come in, and all of a sudden I find that my faith is able to carry me because his grace is sufficient for me, it's quite a cool event. I don't always respond the way I'm supposed to. I might on the outside respond the way I'm supposed to, but in the inside you don't see it. So those of us who have been around the block in church world for a long time know how to present one way but have something else going on in our heart. And if that happens too long, then the bottom does blow, fall, blow out of our lives. But my grace is sufficient for you. He, his presence takes us to the place that we need to be. You know, often we want God to give us what we want, but God wants to show us what he, what us, he is what we need. And, uh, you know, it's not all the other things. And sometimes the longer we hold on to that, the more he's stripped away from our lives. I'm not going to say that's automatic. So if you see somebody who's lost everything, go, wow, there's an example of that. No, think about your own heart. How much would he have to strip away from me before I would say, he's all that I need? I want to be a good student and learn quickly. I had a friend of mine, he wrote a book and he didn't do something he was supposed to do. And his coach said to him, I hope you're not one of those kinds of people that is going to have to learn everything the hard way. You have to learn everything the hard way. Do I have to learn everything the hard way? Do I have to go down the same road? stick to my own way, and learn it the hard way. Bang my head against the wall. See, God wants to show us he is what we need. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I love when those moments happen, and I actually get to say, somebody says, oh, that was very nice of you, Dave. Oh, that was, I get to say, that wasn't me. That was the God I follow. Because I'm not that very nice. I'm not that sacrificial. And, and that's God showing up me and meaning my life. So don't, don't give me the credit for that because that's not my bent. That's God in me. I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Uh, you know, and again, Paul lived and died what he liked. And all of this, you know, sometimes we think it's just not fair what's going on. But we need to remember that. Be glad God is not always fair, but he's always just. If he was fair, we would get what we deserve. He would be the one who reads into our minds and knows what we're thinking. And we'd get what we deserve. But thankfully, there's grace and he's just. And he doesn't do that. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. In other words, the sins. 
For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now I've got to really be honest, right, because my parents are here. I didn't think to tell these stories and they can go, Bill, is that really what happened? Myrna, is that what? Well, you know, you know, so please don't spend any time with my parents because I don't want them telling you anything. Too late, thank you. <laughs> Told you the story about my dad saying I couldn't have a radio or AM, FM radio cassette player in the car. Remember that? Some of you remember that. He said, no, we're sticking with the AM radio. I'm like, we need FM, baby. This is FM cassette players. No, 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 no. So what did I do? I went and bought one anyway. Family car. Not my car, family car. Spend all afternoon over my buddy's Jason's house. We're ripping wires out, doing this game. Finally get it in there. It's getting dark outside. The radio works. We're able to jam out. Start to pull out of his driveway, and all of a sudden, none of the interior lights in the family car work. None of them. The outside ones work, but not the inside work. So I drive home, and I go, what do I do with this? Do I tell them now, or do I wait till my dad turns on the car sometime at night and finds out? So I fessed up, and uh, obviously I told him not to, he told me not to do that. We dealt with all that. But I'll be honest with you, he, 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 he and Mom never brought it up again once it was dealt with. You know, I'm not as good. I will bring things up to my kids even now. You know, rah, 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 you know, they got streets named after you one way, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But, but uh, you know, they, they didn't do that. That was one area they were good. The rest, there's another story for that. But uh, so, 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 you know, but that is the way God is. It's like he's forgotten, but he hasn't forgotten. He knows you. So it's not like, oh, I did it again. And God's like, no, you didn't do it again. I've never seen you do that. It's not like that. He just doesn't hold it against you. And there's very few places you and I live where we can do somebody wrong and they don't hold it against us. I don't know about you, but I love, and it doesn't, it doesn't always happen, but I love when I get to the point where I see somebody who stabbed me in the back and twisted it a few times, and the time I see them, I don't even think that. It's gone from my mind. It's freeing from my own soul, but it's also nice. I have forgiven that person. It's gone. But that doesn't happen too often. But God functions that way with us all the time. So as we're thinking about when tragedy hits uh, real quickly, uh, don't be surprised. You can read that verse on your own where Jesus says you're going to have trouble. Uh, I think we actually have the version that says you're going to be plagued with trouble. But I've told you this so that by trusting me, you will be unshakable, assured, deeply at peace, not overcoming by feelings of entrapment, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Amen. Sometimes you and I just have to hold on to that. Jesus doesn't do a bait and switch kind of thing. He doesn't say, follow me, and it's going to be easy. And then once you start following him, it isn't easy. All of us have stories. All of us have stories. Stories where something not too nice happened to us. 
And you look across the room and you say, man, I would like to be like that person. I'd like to have what they have. I'd like to and we have no idea what they went through to get there. And if we had to join, go to that school of learning, we would say, no thanks. You can have all those nice things. I don't want them because I know what you had to do to get there. Jesus doesn't promise a bed of roses. It's not a right song to sing. Look for the good. Again, come back to that purpose. I know what I'm doing, God says. I've had all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you a hope for hope, give you the hope or give you the future you hope for. And this is written to those people that got wiped out of Jerusalem, got taken away to Babylon, and God is saying to them, I have a plan for you, and someday the kingdom will be restored. You'll go back to Jerusalem. For us as Christ followers, that plan isn't Jerusalem. It isn't a nice city and all that kind of stuff. It is a heavenly city. It's eternity. That's what he has planned for us. Obviously, the idea of lean on God. You and I ought to lean on him. And uh, so we're not surprised. We're not, we look for the good, but we lean on God. Sometimes instead of our answers to our question, God wants to be our solution. And I almost don't like using this um, next verse because uh, we tend to overuse it. But I need it overused in my life. We read, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. And he will, he's the one to keep you on track. And we love that. But then we forget about some of the other verses that follow that. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. That idea of run is to shun it, to turn your back on it. So you want God to lead you. You want to be able to lean on him, trust him. Then you also have to trust him in the idea that don't assume you know it all and that you run to God, run from evil. And some of us want to be able to lean on him, trust him, but we don't want to run from evil. There's things in our life that just are bad for us. It's just bad. It's not even that it just offends God. I mean, we, we, should, we should stop doing anything that offends God, whether it has a good effect or a bad effect in our life, because he is God. I mean, you can't say, well, let's negotiate about this. No, he's God. But what's wonderful is that when you and I follow his lead, it brings good things, not necessarily material blessing, but it brings a peace and a strength to life that uh, is, is worth it all. So honor God with everything. That means everything. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. Some of us haven't gotten back from that. We're still sulking on something that he tried to use to correct us, and we're saying no to him, and we're keeping our fists up, and he's just keeping the pressure on. It is the child he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is beyond all this. When you can think back, some of us have these experiences, some of us don't have these experiences, but when you can think of someone who is a father-like figure in your life, and they corrected you out of their love and compassion for you because they wanted you to have the best you could have in life. They wanted you to be the best whatever you're going to be in life. 
in the moment it's unpleasant, but the minute you started to really accept that and that run out true, you would welcome the person's correction and discipline, even though it would step on your toes. Same way with God. So when you and I think of all the bad that's going on in our world, when you think of all the difficulties that come into our personal world, what are we to do with that? I think our attitude should be this. God doesn't always cause the pain. Sometimes you and I cause our pain ourselves. Sometimes it's somebody else. Sometimes it's the world we live in is just broken. But God can always use that pain if you'll allow him. And you're not going to get out from under it, so you might as well make the best of it. So allow him to use the pain in our lives to bring out what he wants to bring out so that we can, in a sense, flower and bloom wherever we are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the way your word speaks to our hearts. Father, all of us can think of heartbreaks from afar or from real up close that have gripped our hearts from time to time or may even be gripping our hearts right now. And it's heavy lifting and it's hard. But we're thankful that we can turn to you, that you are good, that you can take our pain and use it for something beneficial, profitable in our lives. And Father, I I pray with compassion because I don't know what my friends in this room or online are going through. And uh, I ask that no matter what they're experiencing. I may, ha- I may have no clue. You, you say, Dave, Dave, he doesn't have any clue what I'm experiencing. I don't. But you do, Lord. And I pray that you'll find that your grace is sufficient. It's not just a switch you throw, but it's a process you can do with me. And I pray that my friends would find that. And if there's anyone here this morning who's never said yes to you, but still on that side of being unconvinced, I'd ask that maybe even today would be the day they decide to trust you and to follow you we thank you for your love we thank you that it never drives up and uh we just absolutely need you lord so we ask all of this in jesus wonderful name amen